I am unashamed. What about you? In the UK, do they eat frogs like we do over here? Um, they do. And, okay. but, but in French, the French eat frogs. This is, this is the French influence, man. You know? yeah. Well, <laughs> and Louisiana. English have a lot of opinion on that. <laughs> Louisiana has a French influence. Yep. I mean, the house that we own mm. out there, the old house, he, the guy was from France. Yep. And we're yep. like, you know, our family tree. So dad on, from the Robertson side is Scottish, yep. you know, is our primary. And then, but mom has a lot of uh, French influence through yep. her side because yep. she was an Olier. Yep. Uh, which is a good South Louisiana. The Robertsons yeah. from Scotland, they are known for their jam, jam making. Right, yeah. yeah jelly, yeah. and we make jelly to this well, day. Contrary right? to what oh, people great. think, our tree has forks. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're a few. You know, so, I, I ate, you know, I ate frog one time, right? And it, it's quite tasty. But oh, then yeah. I saw this this uh, cartoon with uh, frogs in wheelchairs and I couldn't eat anymore because oh, it's got these like frogs coming out in a wheelchair, you know, because they lost their legs. Did you see that in England? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need I to come there. Yeah. Y'all need help. It's a funny place, man. It, it's a it's a delicacy. Well, I've, I've always wanted to metal detect in somewhere like England yeah. with the history. Yeah. So maybe we could share Jesus. Do they metal detect do. there? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Now, I think I mean, we the can... rules are different. Like, they have to inspect what you find, and if they want it, they're like, it's ours. Thanks I mean, for finding it. You know, it. I could take you to Lebanon. We could metal detect, and there's, um, there's oh, different man. kinds of things. <laughs> but someone told yeah. me that... They found a lot of armor metal. <laughs> someone, the word I got from somebody, they said... Jesus is taking a, a, it's becoming a, a, a more of a, a little movement going on in the UK because they, yeah. you know, for the last hundred years, you know, but they, is that true? There's some, yeah, big house church ministries. A kind of an I've awakening. Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, there's some really fantastic things going on in England, actually, and in the UK. But, uh, I mean, my 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 energy has been um, where the gospel's not being preached. I mean, particularly North Africa, Middle East, and uh, among refugees. I mean, that's what I've kind of invested my life in. So, and, to our audience, this is Gary Witherall. <laughs> Welcome to Unashamed. As far as we're, as far as I know, you are our first Brit ever to be on yeah. Unashamed. So that's a first. Welcome. Yes. Sorry, I don't have my flag. <laughs> that's right. Huh. Now, we've had some Irish people on here, but we, we haven't had a Brit yet. So, uh, yeah. And so now you, you were telling us before we, before we came on air about when you first saw us. So what, yeah. so tell that story. Cause, yeah. I mean, so I've been working based in Germany and really haven't, you know, we didn't have a TV. So we just wasn't exposed to a lot of kind of TV in the U.S., that's but probably then, a good thing. Probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> not mean, bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd flipped on TV somehow. I can't remember why, but but there was this scene at night, yeah. and these guys with beards were running across a golf course uh, <laughs> looking for bulldogs, or bullfrogs, and uh, yeah. bulldogs. Or bulldogs. Close, uh, but yet so far. Bulldogs <laughs> or bullfrogs. Yeah. Bullfrogs, which I've never done in my life, you know. and, and um, You've never done that in your life? I mean, it sounds like fun. Oh, especially it is. if you're kind of like on somebody's property, and you know. Jay I mean, says it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what he says. Yeah. I, I mean, that that just in any case, and and I mean, really, it's just it, it really tickled me. It really, you know, gave me a good laugh. My kids saw it, and so uh, you didn't know people were doing that. 
I, you know, I didn't know anything about Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, you know, I you know what's funny about that episode that you mentioned is mm-hmm. that so because they'll, you know, they kind of have an idea how the episode is going to go. Uh-huh. And, and there, you know, a cop shows up at the end of it because they're out here on these golf course ponds, right. that, which, by the way, all those things that happened at some point in our past. I yeah. mean, there's been there's been some, you know, shenanigans that have gone on. But in the episode, they dad was with them. So they wanted like dad was supposed to get caught with everybody else. So so as y'all are getting ready to film it, dad's they're like, I say, so here's what's going to happen. And they said, you know, Mr. Phil, you're going to get the police is going to come. And dad said, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, boys, that's I wouldn't get caught by the police. <laughs> Ever, yeah. <laughs> and here's so, what's and funny, so then dad, so dad winds up slinking away in the episode, which was yeah. really funny. But he's the one. Remember, dad was like, "I don't get, I don't get." Caught. It had don't actually caught. happened many times. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> well, just to show you that that's there's some legitimacy to that. Last night, I a guy called me and I, we went and we played cards, but he asked me for a secret meeting, and so I thought, well, what's this going to be about? <laughs> And so we went in, he was talking real soft, and he said, I found the frogs. This is last night. I said, when are we going? Because it's actually the season is open in uh, seven days. He said, well, it's a golf course. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm serious. When you want to go? And he had a video. He, he sent his two kids out, which is what, what I would have done. Because kids can get more forgiveness in yep. an establishment. So at, the kids did at, the recon? At Bushwood. You know, if there's a couple of kids out there in the pond, they're like, but so he sent them out and they actually caught a few just without a boat. Yeah. And I was like, well, we got to figure out how to get a boat. I mean, it, it, it's like literally the greatest scouting I, I've ever seen. So right. that, that this is real. Golf courses real stuff. are phenomenal for frog hatcheries. Right. Yeah, because so, they're the perfect protected environment for them. I mean, yeah, and they're not even that wild. If they jump in the water, just give them a minute. They'll, they'll come, come back, back up. <laughs> he just goes to the other side, and you just divert. Hey, Here we go again. Have you always escaped successfully, or did you? No. Uh, there's no. been a couple I, of bad moments. Yes, <laughs> I have been interrogated. <laughs> I've been really nervous. But since I was sober, every time I was accosted by the police, the only thing that I, I can explain that they let me out, because, yes, I was trespassing. Yes, I wasn't lying, but I wasn't telling the whole truth on what I was doing and where. But I was trying not to lie. But the only reason they let me out, because I haven't been drinking. Right. You know, so there, there, there's there's a lesson. So in if that. you're going to trespass, trespass sober. That's... You That's you have a better of chance of getting out there. Now I did have to do a little community service for the because we have one fancy smancy uh, golf course and it's taboo and I knew that. But this guy, we there was a creek beside it and he 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 motored us down there and he shut off the motor and we listened and it was just. I said, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wait for a stormy night, lightning striking. I said, and we're going to go on foot. We're going to carry a boat and we're going to go to that golf course. And so we did. And as sure enough, as we, when we got back to the Creek and started pulling the boat, every flashing light around, it was like we were, selling drugs <laughs> what are y'all doing 
And that's kind of where they got the idea because I told them that story because what I didn't realize is we, we didn't have an ice chest because we were traveling light. So we were taking off our socks and just stuffing <laughs> frogs because wow. you can stretch a sock yeah. pretty good, okay. you know. <laughs> Full of frogs. And, and, a, and by uh, the way, it doesn't ruin the sock. I mean, they'll no. still be used at the end right. of this procedure. Yeah. So, so just... what I didn't realize is because my buddy was way more nervous than me. But in the in the proceedings of catching the frogs, I had put two little fellas in. I had a I had a shirt on that had two chest pockets. Well, there were t- both of them had two legs sticking out because I had the button down. I stuck them in the pocket, closed the button, and there were just two legs. And he got so tickled that every time the cop would ask a question, my buddy couldn't quit laughing. <laughs> Which was making it worse. It yeah, cops like, don't like it. This you, is a serious thing. You know, you're going to jail. You, you think this is funny? And he's like, and he couldn't get the words out that I had these four little legs. So <laughs> that are wiggling though. But, but they're a delicacy, and they're I think the greatest thing in the wild that you can eat. There's no gameness whatsoever. Would you agree, Phil? Every top of the line. Yeah, so I would like Top to come line. to England. Let's let's share Jesus, do a little metal detecting, and see if we can catch some bullfrogs. I think so. That'd be really fun. Yeah, and and do some metal detecting, man. I I, I really want to do that, and I mean, and also have some steak and kidney pie, because you've never had that, right? Steak and kidney. I'm pretty sure that I haven't eaten a kid- kidney. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> but saying. But it feels we have like our, me. We we have our own food. Oh, really? <laughs> And in Scotland, they have your own food. They have mystery. Oh, that, and yeah. the haggis. Oh, I love Scotland. I didn't like the menu there. It, overall. Mm. <laughs> that was a big... Because mm. we, we filmed there. We did two episodes there. Did you ever see the episodes we did in Scotland? Um, you were I just a casual so. fan. Right. Yeah, okay, I see uh, sorry. That. That's all right. That's all right. You, you, <laughs> you, had, your, you had your one moment. <laughs> I was just testing your Duck Dynasty knowledge. You weren't no, but I got, a I got, lot. I got uh, a couple of CDs or DVDs. So, oh, really? you know, I'll probably catch up and then, yeah. uh, you know, come she back. Actually you know, so. Well, they, we did a couple where it was a like an hour-long special in Scotland where we were trying to find out about our heritage. And Willie had this painting that somebody had given him of this person that looked like him. It was really interesting. Yeah, really, I mean, yeah. it all really happened. So the painting kind of became the focal point because he's trying to figure out if he was a lord or, you know, some uh-huh. noble or something. Well, it turns out the painting was some fat guy from Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. A- I mean, he wasn't even anything. He was just an <laughs> Italian guy, you know. But it did look just like yeah. it. The thing yeah. looks like this wow. person wow. is like a spitting image. But it was a lookalike. Yeah. It was. But it was that was a fun episode. So the first time I met you, Gary, you uh, it's kind of ironic because Ryan Lee's hanging with us today off set or off camera, um, is what Ryan brought you to Duck Commander yep. years ago. And I was working for Duck Commander at the time. I was kind of interim in between the um, what I was doing and what I'm doing now, which I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm the hardest working unemployed man in America. I don't have a job. But he brought you there because he said, this guy's got a story that you have to hear. And so I didn't know you at all. And Ryan was not even working for the church then. He's, you know, one kingdom director now. But he was uh, working for Merrill Lynch at the time. And so that was my first time to meet you. And we just sat in the boardroom at, at Duck Commander, and you told your story. And I was blown away, you know. And since that time, you've been to our to Whitesville Road a few times and have shared different things with our church, which has been great. But I really, you know, you were coming through, so I want you to be on here. But I, I want you to tell – 
your story, uh, you know, and, and kind of, you know, everything that's God has led you to do. And so we can talk a little bit about your, your ministry as well. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it's a real privilege to be able to uh, uh, really testify to what God's done in my life. And uh, I, I was born in Plymouth and um, actually in July, it's 401 years from when the Mayflower set sail, I think. I don't know if it was July, but hmm. it's four, it was 400 last year, but because of COVID, they canceled it. <laughs> so we skipped a year. <laughs> we skipped a year. <laughs> we lost the year of the Mayflower? I know. And actually, next year, oh, sorry, next month, I'm going to be in Plymouth, and um, uh, and the, all the celebrations are going to be in July okay. in Plymouth, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, but yeah, my dad was in the Navy, and so I grew up by ships, uh, with ships and um, um, really in the south of England, it's very different than than London or in the north. But um, in my teenage years, we moved to suburbs of London, and I, you know, I gave my life to Christ as a kid, you know, as you do, and 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 I, I would say as a genuine faith. But um, at seventeen, I was showing off with my uh, motorbike mm. and uh, riding a little too fast on a road. Um, I was doing about sixty. Uh, down past my high school. Actually, in England, everyone walks home from school. You don't get picked up, and uh, there's no yellow buses. You just walk home. <laughs> you just walk. <laughs> you walk. Yeah. And um, if you're too far away, you move, so you don't have a big walk. Yeah. 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 Well, you just walk. You know, yeah. or by or by school. You know. Yeah. And hang on, uh, here. Let's take a break. So uh, um, I was coming to his, the, hill, the schools on the hill, driving down under an old Victorian bridge around a bend. And as I was coming around, I mean, I was full throttle, showing off kids, yeah. walking home. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I yeah. could have just driven a bit slower, but I didn't. Yeah. And I just, I think you always just want to know the maximum capacity of a motorbike. I don't know why that is. Yeah. It's part of being 17. If you, case, if you were here around here, you would be a classic redneck with this move you're describing. Right. And that's it, what it, we do here. And they're all dirt bikes. I mean, you, it's not a street bike, yeah. it's a dirt bike. In any case, um, a car was coming right between us. And in England, you see everybody's parked the cars both sides of the road. There's a car mm -hmm. coming and, you know, there's nowhere to go. Um, and so I put my brakes on and the back wheel slid along the curb and I slammed into a car. The car and the motorbike were totaled. I instantly, I broke my hand, broke the, my hand was still in the accelerator. My thumb snapped back. Ooh. Mm. I flew through the air past a lamppost. That would have really ruined my day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 um, and I landed on my back and I looking up. I was on the grass verge, and I looked up, and it was one of my school teachers. <laughs> that was in the car? No, she was walking oh. home. You know, <laughs> I looked up, and I'm like, "It's one of my school teachers." You know, yeah. and um, in any case, uh, my uh, my first expressions I can't repeat. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was taken to hospital intensive care, and uh, I don't remember much of it, but it was over a six hour surgery, um, and three days later, I kind of um, came back into conversation and police came and talked to me interviewed me and they just said you should be dead three points in the crash we can't understand it while you're alive they even my they put a marking around my body oh wow that's embarrassing wow yeah <laughs> i thought you were a goner yeah, yeah. i mean it was you know i had uh, a lot of blood and um plasma yeah in any case my leg was in traction mm. 
and uh, and I had tubes all over the place. I mean, it's really uh, I didn't look very good. Yeah. And um, my dad had put a Bible next to my my bed, of which I would not really know what to do with, quite yeah. frankly. Um, <laughs> but um, I opened it up, and uh, I mean, there was nothing else to do. I mean, there's no entertainment. I was just sitting there. Or laying there, and um, and I open up and there's the passage passage called the Magnificat, which is where Mary finds out she's going to be the mother of God. You know, yeah. yeah. And and her psalm there says basically in my language at seventeen was who am I that you would look upon me? You know, yeah. Who mm-hmm. am I that you would spare my life? And somehow I don't know is this a miracle in heaven? I'm going to find out. But the Lord let me know that I should have been killed. And that yeah. he spared my life, and and um and right there, I just said, Lord, I dedicate my life to you, mm. um, and you've given life back to me. Now I give it to you, mm. and um, and so and that began a journey into ministry. I mean, I uh, I'm really not. I'm just very average character. I have no right being here, um, but I um I I joined a mission organization that has ships. I wanted to be in the navy. My dad was in the navy. Um, but I joined this missionary ship that goes all around the world. Uh, right now we have a ship called Logos Hope. Um, over a million people hear the gospel on board that ship every year. It's wow. pretty amazing. Oh, wow. So you can incredible. look at the so logos. Is that, did that come from John one, one? Yep. Yeah. In the beginning was that's the word. It. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The logos. And, uh, um, in English we say Logos. Logos yeah. and Americans logos logos. <laughs> so if I like, speak in England, will I need an interpreter? You might do. Okay, <laughs> you might do, especially some of those uh, beautiful phrases that you come up with. You, you do yeah. realize that that Gary, once we got on this side of the pond, we kind of dumbed everything down from where we started. I mean, you guys are still holding the standard. We got over here, and it just kind of has gotten to what you. I mean. I think what you've done is beautify the language. <laughs> okay, good. I like that. <laughs> That's but, uh, optimistic. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I. Uh, so on the ship, I, I mean, I've been in a lot of places, and you know, I saw a lot of poverty. You know, one in seven people today lives in a slum. Mm. You know, uh, you, you know, uh, some of the basic issues of, you know, cleanliness, clean water, a bed to sleep on. Um, mm. If you go in, you know, I was in Cairo uh, not long ago and at a youth camp and people were saying, what is one thing you would wish for? You know, and this kid came forward and said, I'd like to sleep in a bed. But they weren't saying that they want a bed. They were just saying one night they would like to experience what it's like to sleep in a bed. And uh, so, I mean, I've um, there is a lot of stories, but I mean, basically, um, I I um, I went to Bible college. Um, I, I had been five years doing this with the ships, and then I left, went to Bible college. I went to Moody in Chicago yep. and um, graduated from there, and I met my wife at the time. Um, we went to Portland, Oregon, and in Portland, I became a college pastor. Okay. So it was kind of really <laughs> bending your head here, but it's kind of, you know, it's a lot to you know, there's, there You could go back to Portland now. There, there's a lot of work yeah, that needs to be done. Yeah, there's a lot of work, man. I've seen that on TV. Yeah, but weird. let me tell you, it's a great church there as well. I mean, oh, the yeah, churches yeah. are really strong, and um, uh, and they're really involved. And that just doesn't make the news. You did know? you ever go to, when you were in that area, did you ever go to Stu Weber's church that's in Boring, which is maybe about... 45 minutes away. The city's name Boring? <laughs> yes, yeah. Boring, Utah. Yeah. I mean, a Boring, Oregon. I know it. It's a Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd. 
I know it. And, I, and, know, uh, I know Randy him. Alcorn is there too. Yep. And, and yep. it was funny because I spoke at this church. Right. Of course, my opening line was, how does a preacher speak in a town called boring? I mean, you know, <laughs> I was told if you hadn't struck all in 20 minutes, quit boring, but I'm in boring, you know, so yep. it was like my opening, you know. And you know, it's yeah. only a few minutes from Zigzag. Yeah, that's right. There's another town there called we've Zigzag. Had, we've oh, had wow. a number of people, <clears throat> and it seems to be pretty consistent coming out of Oregon. They drive or fly all the way to down here, Louisiana, up here where we meet on Sunday morning to be born again. They come down. They want. Well, that was where your last people, your generational. Yeah, t- yeah tell Gary about the generation. Grand, grandparents and then their son and his wife and the one of the granddaughters. It was three generations of being baptized all, all at once. So I thought, I hmm. said, I haven't seen that for a while. Yep. I told them to, out of uh, kindness. I said, I know y'all from Oregon. I've been hearing about it in the last four or five months. I said, but y'all look perfectly normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that's Gary. With what's happened with us is the show sort of sort of built this platform. God did mm-hmm. where people would watch it, and and my opinion always has been just what Dad just described. It was one of the rare shows on American television that was a generational show. Yeah. The three generations of what he described would watch our show yep. and love it. Yep. And there's not many shows like that because it's usually, you know, one or the other. So because of that, a lot of people have responded on the face side, yep. you know, post-show yep. because they're seeking or they're searching and avenues like we're doing right here have yep. given us that opportunity to yep. share Jesus with yep. a lot of people, which has been a great yep. blessing. Yeah, brilliant. And well, anyway, I got, we, um, uh, I'm, I got married to a beautiful person. Uh, her name is Bonnie. And um, we were there for f- a few years uh, working with the church. And uh, and then we wanted to get back into ministry, like as in people who haven't heard the gospel. And yeah. um, there were different options. But in any case, the Lord led us to Lebanon. And not just Lebanon, southern Lebanon is uh, the city of Sidon. Um, mm-hmm. So you have... Um, uh, it's very south, and 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 it's historic. It's from Genesis. Yeah, I was going um, to say that's a, a bit. I recognize the area. Yeah, and um, uh, you know there is a, the largest Palestinian refugee camp is there, and uh, so we're ministering amongst refugees. And she was working as a nurse uh, to uh, a prenatal clinic for pregnant women, uh, and there really there's no medical care. Uh, I mean it's pretty basic. And, uh, so this was providing a, an excellent standard of medical care. Um, what time frame are you talking 2001, about? 2001, okay. 2002, All right. before the, uh, the, the Iraq war in 2003. Okay. But the building up to that war, the yeah. tension was really heavy in, yeah, in right. the Middle East. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, basically there's no easy way to tell my story, but basically, uh, she was early one morning, um, uh, uh, working with, you know, or preparing for this women to come and a gunman came knocking on the door. Um, uh, and you know, I don't obviously, we don't know the details, but basically she would open the door and he lifted a gun to her face. And then, um, um, I think must've pushed her back into the room, uh, with a gun and then put three bullets in her face mm-hmm. and, um, uh, for mm-hmm. loving, you know, the least really uh, who have no, they have no power. They have, you know, no voice. And, you know, we were really called and committed to demonstrating the love of Christ to these people, you know. 
Mm. And and I'm still committed to that, by the way. I mean, I still have many Palestinian friends. And uh, so... Um, Hang on a sec. Let's take another break. They shot her because y'all believe in Jesus? Yeah, I mean, I mean it was yeah. in, it's in, in, it's in a, it was the clinic was above a church. So this is kind of, uh, you'll see churches there, they have multi-levels. Mm -hmm. So they have teaching English, computer education, and uh, clinics and that kind of thing. So, um, mm. yeah. But, um, you know, of course, I've, I didn't, I didn't ever, I've never met the gunman. So I haven't been able yeah. to ask him what the reason is. I mean, and they never caught the gunman, or well, I mean, uh, the the uh, some people said he was caught, yeah. and other people say he wasn't caught. I guess it's hard to get a read on, you know, what goes on in countries. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I mean, I I walked into, you know, I got a phone call, a hysterical phone call, uh, come to the clinic straight away, and uh, I mean, it was a traumatic. Yes. And we were using, do you remember the envelope system? What was that? Who was doing that? The uh, It's just before Dave Ramsey. It was. Uh, oh, yeah. The envelope. <clears throat> right. I don't remember the system, but we yeah, put the money case, aside. Everything's and, yeah. like in envelopes. I mean, we were right. really disciplined, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't find money to get a taxi. And then I ripped <clears throat> this envelope open, which I felt like I've done something wrong. And uh, and I rushed downstairs. And, I, and all the taxis are these old Mercedes. And. Uh, um, and I said, please take me over to this clinic. And about three quarters of the way there, then it's slowly winding through the traffic, hot day. I'm, my heart is jumping out my chest. And the taxi pulls into a gas station because he needs to fill up with fuel. He gets out, starts talking to other taxi drivers. I mean, oh, and I'm wow. sitting there kind of like, I've got to get to my wife, you yeah, know. Yeah. It. Uh, so I, I, I gave the guy and I started running. And it's the last moment of my life where I was naive, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and innocent in a sense of not having the story. And I, it was a running through this. And I have it often I can think about this running moment. And I saw there was an ambulance there, soldiers, police. It was already uh, – I ran through there. A guy pointed his M16 right at me, told me stop. And I literally just pushed him out of the way. I mean, I was – yeah. Uh, I, I, in a crazy moment. I ran upstairs, and then two soldiers, like plain clothes soldiers, picked me off the ground. I wanted to get into the room, and, and um, uh, and I could see uh, Bonnie, part of her body, on the ground. And they threw me in the next room and said, "You know, your wife's shot. She's been. She's dead." Oh man. And um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, my. Uh, I mean, I can I, I can tell you all kinds of things, but basically, I was laying on the ground, just weeping. I was expecting the gunman knows I'm there and he's going to come take me out. I mean, I was thinking this is it, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I felt like the Lord speak to me uh, in this moment, saying, uh, "Gary, a seed has been planted in your heart, and it's going to grow from either anger to hatred, or from forgiveness to love." This is what happened, and. Mm. Uh, and I just remember starting thinking, you know, I've been doing years. I've been in Bible college, you know, I'm a college pastor. I've been preaching on the streets. And I was like, okay, I'll forgive. And I was thinking, oh, I'm really upset, man. I'm like, this is yeah. not working. Uh, you know, this is not <laughs> yeah. like you stole my car, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then I started, I'll say, I'll say I'll forgive 10 times. I'm like, I'm laying there thinking I'm going to die. I'm weeping. I'm in agony. Lord just said that to me. 
And, and I was just thinking, there's no forgiveness. There's, there is nothing in this tank that says I can forgive this. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I walked into the room, I mean, blood everywhere. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. And, um, I oh okay I'll say this it was probably in the in the and I was there for a few hours because there's the crime scene and you know you know and and actually um, kind of U.S. secret um, guys came down with armed vehicles and, and pulled me out of it it was good I mean it was CNN was there my dad was watching me on TV I mean in London and wow, um, wow. Uh, in any case I was laying there and I said Lord I don't know how to do this and I had this. Really, I, I don't know if it's the right thing to say a vision. I don't know what the words are, but I was looking through Christ's eyes on the cross. Yep. You ever done that? You know, you imagine yeah. Christ on the cross, tears, pain, looking out and seeing a crowd. And I look out and I see myself in the crowd mocking Jesus with all the garbage of my life. And, you know, yeah. I could sit here and share about the things I've hurt people, and the mess that I've made of my life, and um, and then hear him say, from the cross, Father, forgive, Father, yeah. forgive, Father, yeah. forgive him. And uh, really, I, I it's as if I've never understood the cross. I never understood the gospel. I never understood where Paul, even though I preached all the time, uh, Philippians 3.10, I want to know you in your suffering, know you in your death, know your resurrection. This idea of to know Christ in his death is to know that he loves us and forgives us, you know. Yeah. Uh, in that pain where we might flinch and, and lash out, call for justice, he says. You, you, will, when, see, you will see her again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When you when you were telling she's still alive. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. When soul, you were telling that the first soul, time. Soul, spirit. When you were telling that the first time, um this right where you are in the story, I remember you saying that about the cross and it and it struck me because I've I've told this story many times since that when you talked about seeing it through Jesus' eyes, watching blood drip off the cross down onto that to the dirt yep. that was there at the foot of the cross. Yep. And as you're having this vision or this idea that there's the the blood of your wife yep. that was going into the grout of the floor in your in your it, very disturbing. Yeah. Very disturbing. But I've she never... was she was laying by me only if like two hours before and I'm seeing her blood mixing with the dirt on the yeah. floor and it was really that was quite traumatic because I was like, I cannot get her blood back in the body, you know. That's and right. um, and it's a, suddenly a picture of, um, a, a, okay, a Cyprian in the church, one of the church fathers, he says, it's only when the grapes are crushed can we take from the cup, you know. And it's it's through the blood of Christ that we, our sins are cleansed, are washed, you know. But it's only when his body was crushed yeah, that we can participate. What amazing text, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, or, or an idea. And I, I think, um, anyway, I, I was there and I'll tell you something. I started worshiping the Lord. I'm literally thinking I'm going to die because I was thinking the gun was coming. But I, um, I, I started singing to the Lord and I said, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my rusty old car, which was always falling apart. I give you my apartment. I give you my ministry. And today I give you my wife and I lay it all down. I mean, wow. you know. That's so powerful. Let's take another break. Well, I've never forgotten that part. I mean, a lot of the story, but that part in particular, because it really helped me to understand the preciousness of blood, but especially 
of the blood of Jesus. Mm. And yet in that moment of shedding blood was forgiveness, as you said. Mm. And so that's always been a, a big thing for, for me is the idea of forgiveness. And in my story, it's a lot of times dealing with people who have had infidelity in relationships. And mm. again, same thing. I don't have the capacity to forgive. And yet they find in Jesus yep. a way to be able to repair. You, you never know whether you're going to be a martyr or not. That's right. The Almighty makes that call for you. Yep. You would be martyred. That's exactly right. Well, when you were saying that, I thought about this passage, which you, I know you've probably read before, but you know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, which is obviously the guy that approached your wife. But then it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants. For Jesus' sake, for God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power is from God and not from us. Of course, then it goes on to say we're hard pressed on every side. We're crushed, but not I'm perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And this this one verse stuck out to me. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. What's amazing to me is that when you told that story, you basically quoted that verse in that moment of this intense shock i guess when you said you know i was seeing seeing through jesus's eyes and when you read something that pretty much goes in line with what you experienced from a guy via the holy spirit a couple thousand years ago i mean to me that it moves me that god in his infinite wisdom you know displays awesome things in the worst tragedies you know for who we are and you know uh you know, there is no forgiveness without faith. Yeah. There is no, there's only justice. Yeah. Uh, without the cross, there's no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But That's in right. James 2, it says this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. Well, we, the, the antidote for rage is mercy. The mercy of Christ can come in like oil into a rusty engine. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I, and I can say, yeah, my life, testifies that uh, and i really wanted to tell you this because you know i could sit in that narrative but you know since then um, the lord's brought an amazing person in my life and i've married we were married we have four kids mm -hmm. and her grandfather you did i tell you about this i don't know but her grandfather is one of the men martyred with jim elliott oh yeah if you, you know tell me that, yeah. uh jim elliott but um and that was uh, the tip of the spear, right? The end of the spear, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, this guy was, his name was Roger Udarian. And Roger Udarian was dropped in on the Battle of the Bulge and fought all the way to Berlin. He was one of uh, Eisenhower's bodyguards. And then he left that, came back to the US, studied, and he and his wife, Barbara, went down uh, to another uh, group in Ecuador, the Shuar Indian. Um, and we were just with uh, Grandma Barbara uh, two weeks ago down in, in Florida. Wow. And um, uh, she's 96 and still doing great. Oh, and, wow. Um, wow. 
so my my kids were able just to, she sang to my kids, which was really just a very beautiful moment. I mean, real a treasure, you know. Um, but and this, what a thing you share. Yes. That, that your wife was martyred, and yet your wife's now grandfather yeah. was martyred as well. Yeah. Both for the. For I'm the beginning to think you're doing a really a lot for the Lord because <laughs> the the spiritual forces of evil. Yeah. But look are, at that. Look at that, Look how the favor of God though was with you. I didn't know the first. I didn't heard the 17 year old story. Right. That you would the you would go that God would you would open your Bible to this teenage mother of Jesus yeah. Yeah. in the moment where you needed to decide what you were going to do with your life. Yeah. And then here it is again in the worst possible moment. Yeah. The murder of your wife. Yeah. He still gives you a clear path and vision and favor yeah. that you, you're not done here. I mean, which yeah, is incredible. And, and, you know, so recently I was just studying Bonhoeffer and, and the idea of calling. We I've been developing this in my life, you know, that he first calls Peter to drop the nets. Yeah. But then he down the road, he calls Peter to step out of the boat. Yep. Uh, you know, to step onto water is madness. You know, <laughs> it is into a storm is madness. But Peter was stepping onto a solid rock. Yeah. He was stepping, he, his footsteps as he stepped out of the boat were on rock. Yep. You know, and we say, we sing that on solid rock, I stand, yep. right? Yep. Uh, and, and, um, but only if you have faith in that rock, yeah. will that rock, otherwise it's sand. There Sorry. is no, there is no rock. You cannot obey Christ. We cannot obey God. We cannot walk in discipleship without that faith. And I think yeah. that there's a difference between, being called to drop your net and being called to walk into water. And ultimately, Peter, uh, Peter I mean, his church history says that he was hung upside down. Yep. Felt, he felt like it not worthy that he would be, uh, he was martyred in church history upside down. Right. And um, so this idea, you know, we don't know for sure, but this idea of God calling us into continual deeper experience in trusting him. Right. You know, yeah. so it's Christianity is not boring. And if it is boring, perhaps we haven't responded to his call, you know? <laughs> exactly. I love it. Yeah. Let's take one last break. So I want you to tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing now and also the title of your book, which I've read, which is excellent. You may have written more than one, but the one where this story is yeah. in it, what's, what's the name it's of it? It's uh, Total Abandon. Total Abandon. Yeah. A Gary Tind- Witherall. Tindale. Yeah. Tyndale. So look for that because it's amazing. It's an amazing story. So tell us kind of what what's happened since now, ministry wise, mission wise, what you're doing, uh, that type of thing. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, the Lord's kept on my heart, you know, the burden for the Mediterranean. I mean, particularly the refugee crisis. Um, um, you know, you can look on the news and have a a. Um, an ungodly approach, you know, yeah. very critical, easy, yeah. but to, to love the least, to love the least. And, um, um, you know, uh, there are 450 million people live on the Mediterranean in a country. Um, and it's a really unreached place, you know? Uh, and, and so the Lord's called me just to be an ambassador, call people to the Mediterranean um, and that's what I do. And, and, and we are based in Germany. So I'm doing that and also working with refugees coming in, uh, uh, into Europe as much as I can and influence, um, be an advocate, um, and share my faith. And uh, so most uh, of these people are Muslim fleeing Muslim violence. Is that, 
was that a fair way to characterize most of the people that you're working yeah, with? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of uh, you could look at uh, lack of opportunity, uh, yeah. oppression. Um, but I, and let me tell you this. Uh, I was in one city in Europe recently and I walked in and um, there's 250 people there from Syria. And they were all came as Muslim refugees and they were worshiping the Lord. And it was so intense there. Their worship was so passionate. Uh, like you, you were just, I, I was weeping. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I can't, you, but that story doesn't make the headlines. You know, you always yeah. hear the negative, but right. God is at work with these refugees. More than that, I, many say, workers in Europe say that it's through the refugees that the gospel will reach into European hearts. Right. So, um, so I think, uh, you know, we, we just need to conclude when you see um, what's going on, particularly with Syria. Um, I, I, I was going into Syria for 12 years. I, I went into Syria, well, before, before the Syrian war, uh, sharing the gospel in Damascus. And, uh, you know, one time I'll tell you one story. I was in Damascus and, um, and a guy came up to me and he says, you know what our problem is? Talking about Syrians. And I said, no. And he goes, we're the axis of evil. Because, mm-hmm. and, he, and he, is, he is there with his uh, wife and his little boy. And he just wants to do life. Yeah. But he's kind of being condemned by the West as being axis of evil. Right. And he knows that. It's a common language there in Damascus. And, you know, I'm trying to share the gospel and realizing politics is, is so influenced his life that it's hard to exist and, and so i think um you know if you ever hear about syria and in your heart think negatively you know we just pray for the syrian nation today we pray for the believers there uh, almost 10 percent um about eight and a half percent i think of of the middle east is christian background you know we pray the lord would touch them protect them um and that the gospel it, it, many ministries, Lebanon, uh, Turkey, uh, Greece, and other countries that are ministering to these refugees. So we pray the gospel will continue to uh, reach these people, you know. So then and you're based out of Germany, right? So so did your your what's your wife's name? Helena. Helena. Princess Helena. Did she uh, (laughs) so did she have a heart for this when you guys met or how did that kind of we've done we we've done nothing that is not absolutely together. Wow. You know, I mean, that's our commitment. So. And I guess if her, if her grandparents were obviously gung ho and yep. this, so she comes from a heritage of she faith is, and, you family. know, if she's in a room, it's a nice thing. And it, cause uh, you know, how do you get married again after this? I mean, I felt so damaged, Yeah. but you know, we're in a room uh, in a church or something and people find out her story is that's the conversation, you know? So it's actually, a good thing. And, um, and she really is, um, uh, yeah, more passionate and more dedicated to seeing people come to Christ than I am. Is so, she Ameri- uh, she's American. She's American. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. gotta get that. that, that, she, that have you trained her in that speak the, the queen's English or does she still, uh, no, but my kids see they're dual citizens. So right. now they're, it's really complicated because they also speak perfect German. Oh, so wow. they got like a British passport, American passport, and speak perfect German. So it's kind of, you know, the world's changing, you know. I don't know how. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So is she from Florida? Is that where she's originally? No. She was born in Illinois. Okay. Um, Midwest. And, um, and her family 
uh, grew up in Dallas. Okay. So, um, but she also then spent most of her life in Germany. Her dad, uh, mom and dad were church planners in Germany. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's, so she had already German. Um, we, um, we were actually asked if we would go to Germany for our work. Um, and it all kind of worked did, just you a meet, did you meet her there? Is that where you met? I met her at Moody. So I, oh, okay, I, okay. I went back to speak at Moody um, soon after Bonnie was killed. And, um, and it's a Bible school. <clears throat> I actually spoke there. You uh, did? I did. Couple of years ago, really? Yes, they let you in Moody. <laughs> you must have done That's a right. shocker. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, you were wearing your camo pants the whole day. Camo, baby. <laughs> I mean, I wear the camo in case things go south. I can run and hide in the woods. It's just a great school to prepare people for ministry. I mean, really, we met some and, great people. Yeah, I think I said yeah. we spoke. They interviewed me and somebody. Uh, we were like in front of the. The school, you know, yeah, and they just interviewed us. They asked us question, right, about ducks. So, yeah, that was a couple of ducks questions, but mainly about the Bible and you know, yeah. just yeah, yeah. I, then ministry, and you know, it's good for you to hear this. You know, I, I mean, I've I because I you invited me on the podcast. Um, you know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and just that you're opening scripture and proclaiming Christ from this. You know, and yeah, I think yeah. that is. That's what will be all that's important in eternity. We'll look back on yeah. how, you know, I mean, life's so short, so precious, right? That we can. Okay, here's here's a, a quick thought. Um, there's a guy called Charles Marsh. He 52 years in Algeria. Most of the people he led to the Lord were killed. Uh, mm. 1922 to the 70s, and um, and he said um, life is a seed, and he said you can eat it. It's a very precious seed. You can eat it or consume it, or you can bury it. And if you bury it, there's a harvest. You know, if so, if you sow it, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, so you could sit back and say, you know what, I've got this seed. I've got you know the success of this uh, of this TV show, mm -hmm. or you can say, no, man, I'm gonna take all this, I'm gonna invest it in, and and that's where the harvest is. I mean, I think that you might even see the harvest is is yet, you know. Um, oh, I agree. As you sow in, rather than kind of sit back and sort of, um, and and what a great testimony here. I mean, it is the word of God opened here on the table, saying this is the most important thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, to be confident and bold with the gospel and and believe that it can change the most vilest man. Yeah. And uh, and then proclaim it boldly, and I mean that's yeah. really what, what where you when you go on the streets of people who've never heard Jesus, they've never read the Bible, they they've never walked into a church, they've never met a pastor or anybody, and to say through Jesus Christ, you can find forgiveness of sins, yeah. you know, you can find peace in your heart, and your and your future is, yeah, uh, you know, I mean it's 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 the best message. It's better yeah, yeah. than politics. It's better than you know. Well, what I think we have in common with what we do, because we always looked at the show as kind of silly, because we were happy in Jesus yep. with, with with nothing and, and no notoriety. But I think what we have in common with you is there's an authenticity to you that yep. you really you we really believe this stuff. Yeah, and uh, we're the same way. You know, I believe Jesus is the Son of God and that he did what he said he did and that he is who he, he says he is. And I think that translates to people when 
we come in contact with them that this is mm-hmm. it's not a program we're not trying to you know get your money or you know? yeah. and uh i i think yeah. that's from from listening to you talk i really sense that and, and that's yeah. our, our message of jesus is really the only unifying message and so you're describing some war-torn divided places for a lot of different reasons and america herself has become so divided in culture and all these different things and we're saying the only thing that will unify is jesus i mean the one who can truly bring together the great mystery right yeah jew and gentile together and i think that's that's why the message is so powerful both in what you're doing and what, and what most, doing. most of the time <clears throat> there's complete silence when you ask someone i understand uh love God, love your neighbor. Here's how it works. Here's the person who brought it forth. And they'll sit there and whether they're belligerent or not, the question always I ask them, tens of thousands, but do you have a better story? And they'll go, they they can't answer that. Mm. Do you have a better story on how to get out here alive, life and immortality riding on it? What's your story? They don't have a better story. Yeah, this is the story. We have a special treat for you because we're it's it's closing time and Phil has run his nets. Ooh, and we have acquired (laughs) a certain set of catfish. The Almighty heard you were coming, saw you coming. (laughs) It was run the nets over on this side of the boat, and I raised it up and I said. We're going to eat well on this. Well, yeah. <laughs> so what I thought... Opelousas cat pee. You ever eat an Opelousas cat? I haven't. No. Oh, boy. I haven't. So is this is about to change your life. Al, <laughs> will you pray for Al, Gary's ministry and, and the fish we're and about to eat? And I pray for eat. our food as well. Father, yes. it's a, a blessing to, to meet people along the journey um, that love you, that uh, have been hard-pressed on every side, and yet still trust you through everything. And so, and certainly Gary's life and his ministry is a great example of that. Uh, I thank you for uh, Bonnie and, and her willingness to serve. And uh, we look forward to meeting her in heaven. Uh, thank you for Helena and her willingness to serve as well and, and Gary's children. I just pray a blessing on he and his family, on their ministry, on their mission. I pray for great success uh, for the gospel to go out and many people to hear it and have their lives changed. Thank you for this brother and him being here today. And Father, thank you for these fish that you definitely provided for us. And uh, we're looking forward to being able to have a blessing uh, together. We love you. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.